this the car in the movie is named for is is five, for this category. That's five hundred. That's five hundred horsepower. horsepower. Yes, you mess this up every week. every week. Well, in my defense, the uh, the rankings were originally zero to five horsepower. That changed, but, but you realize that ago. was a that was a lawnmower. Several engine. production meetings later. Let me get back. Let me get back to my point here. I admire your luck, Mr. Bond. My name's Bond. James Bond. Thank you, Mr. Bond. Name's Bond. James Bond. Hello. Hello. How you doing? Good, man. Are you excited? I mean... No. Not really. You should be excited. This is your favorite Bond film. There's there's airplanes. So far, it's my favorite, my most favorite. And I, I I'll, I'll be I'll be honest right now. I wasn't disappointed with the movie after watching it again. That's good. Are you uh, are you glad that we're finally at our third bonding over Bond? I am. That's been, I feel like uh, it's it's taken us forever to get here. Yeah, we got a ways to go, and a lot of uh, we don't have a lot of time left actually. Yeah, we're we're pushing it on. We're crunching it here. I think we have a good format though now. Maybe. I think it's got some potential. So, Bond gets a little snobbish about his brandy in this one. Oh yeah. And I'm not I'm not really a brandy man myself, mm-hmm. unless we're talking about 1990s R&B singer Brandy, <laughs> and which I'm down with that. She's awesome. She's great. I was a fan of Brandy. I was indifferent about Brandy. Were you, so you didn't have, like, you weren't on, like, a Brandy, or was it Monica? Was that her, like, rival? I think so. I think it sounds yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, I was team Brandy. I was indifferent about both, honestly. <clears throat> that makes sense. So anyway, that explains the Knob Creek and Diet Coke, also called a skinny redneck, mm-hmm. which I'm drinking in honor of the film's final third being in Kentucky. Which, as we know, is the home of bourbon. It legally has to... No, it doesn't. Never mind. <laughs> it used to have to be made in Kentucky, but that's not true anymore. Oh, really? That, that's a, yeah. that might be a podcast on its own right there. It could be. I am having a nice Guinness. has nothing to do with the movie whatsoever. Not at all. So, um, cheers. Cheers. And now the gold. Goldfinger. Gold Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. Goldfinger. So this is a podcast on Goldfinger. It's the seventh Bond novel and the third Bond film. It was filmed in 1964, and of course it stars the one and only Sir Sean Connery. Your phone blowing up back there? Maybe. So this brings us to our 0030 segment, where we it each does. give the 30 second rundown of, uh, of the film. 0030. This week, I won the coin toss, so I will be giving my rendition of the thir- uh, 0030. You ready to time me? Um, yeah. <clears throat> Whenever I hear a ding, I'm going to start. The opening is positively shocking, one might say. Bond's R&R in Miami Beach is cut short to investigate Oric Goldfinger. He has caught the attention of MI6 and CIA. Bond meets Goldfinger socially, of course, paired for a round of golf. We learn about the criminal plan called Operation Grand Slam. No, it's not the newest breakfast platter from Denny's, but a plan to contaminate the U.S. gold supply with radiation. It reeks of specter, but is never confirmed. Lasers, airplanes, nuclear bombs, nerve gas, ten wardrobe changes, ten confirmed kills, one badass car, a henchman named Oddjob, and a liberal use of the word pussy. Many say this is the best Bond film of all time. I, for one, find it hard to disagree. You were over. By how much? Uh, 1.15. Hmm. I'm okay with that. I'm happy with that. We oh, need, that's good. We need a penalty, though, if we go over. 
We'll work on that. Yeah, that's for the next scene. Okay. MI6 believes gold is being smuggled to finance terrorism by Arik Goldfinger and sends James Bond to investigate. After two encounters with 007, Goldfinger knows something is up. Bond follows Goldfinger to Switzerland and learns how he smuggles the gold. Hears about Operation Grandstand. Supley gets captured by Oddjob. Talks his way out of getting lasered in half. Accompanies Goldfinger to Kentucky. Learns of a plot to rob Fort Knox. Sexually assaults Pussy Galore, who gives the CIA a heads up of the plan. Goldfinger escapes. He gets sucked out of an airplane. Bonds end up alone with a girl for the third movie in a row. The end. Great job. Great job. You had uh, about a, a second and a half to spare. Very good. So I feel that was a very, that was a very good, uh, you know, another good job. I feel like we're getting very good at summarizing a Bond film in, in 30 seconds. Um, we both, I think we complement you know, mentioned each other. Op- yeah. Yeah. We, we have different styles and we get a full, you know, so for those listening, uh, if you're thinking to yourself, man, it would be great. Uh, before Spectre to comes out to maybe have, you know, these, these summaries. We're gonna, we're gonna release them two ways. Uh, one on the website will have all 24 30 second summaries by each of us. And we're gonna, uh, allegedly, um, somebody volunteered to, I guess, edit a, uh, full podcast of, of these. The express route, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so I have two, I have two loose ends. <clears throat> if you'll permit me. Uh, one, right, so you said in your summary, I believe the exact quote was you said that, uh, that Goldfinger is reeked of Spectre. Is that correct? Yeah. The, the plot of Operation Grand Slam reeked of Spectre. So my, my was question never is, confirmed. do you feel that Goldfinger is a part of Spectre? What's your opinion? I think it is. I think it is, uh, just because of the, um, I would like to have learned a little bit more of about Mr. Ling. The, uh, the I, I believe they were Cantonese, where were the because when I was watching it with subtitles, because I always watch it with subtitles to pick up on on part of the the, the dialogue. It said that they were speaking Cantonese. So is that Chinese? Yeah. Okay. So they're Chinese. So Mr. Ling is there, and we never really hear the full backstory of Mr. Ling. Like, what is he? It, 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 where is he coming from? You know, just knowing Dr. No's organization of his Asian influence, perhaps these are carryovers from Dr. No and they used to work uh, for him or, or part of the Spectre organization. So that's why I felt it. It felt like Spectre. And there okay. there was a level of... Um, Spectreness. Yes. Now, I ask because in the book, Goldfinger is the treasurer for Smirsh. Which we've already talked about in the last podcast mm-hmm. that um, Spectre in the movie realm replaces Smirsh as to not increase Cold War tensions in the in the sixties. But I don't. The movie never went out of its way to kind of make Goldfinger like a trilogy it from Russia with yeah. Love, and I felt like maybe that was intentional that they wanted Goldfinger to maybe like stand alone a little bit and not make audiences feel like oh. This is a direct sequel. You know, here's another henchman mm-hmm. from Spectre. And so they kind of, I, I feel like they left that out. Although if you watch it, especially in a row like we have, mm-hmm. and you know the larger lore, Goldfinger does seem like a Spectre-ish type of, of agent. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that, that's it. That's my, uh. And he, and he could have been like a number, number eight or something, or number 11 that we're going to see in Thunderball coming up where, you know, the, the, the Spectre organization is quite large. So. Yes. Yes, it has a long reach, mm-hmm. one might say. And then my other, my other loose end, um, so Operation Grand Slam, uh, they, they got a dirty bomb and they were going to put this dirty bomb in Fort Knox and make the gold radioactive. And therefore the United States will not be able to touch its gold reserve. And then the price of gold will skyrocket and Goldfinger obviously has a lot of gold. So that's good for him. My question to you, and this is, partially avionics which hey scott happy national avionics day avionics or aviation day because avionics are the electronics used on airplanes you know which the <laughs> the right word like <laughs> we we're in the air aviation <laughs> yes there you go happy that thing yes happy fake thing day today that's that's thank you i thing. guess yeah i mean yeah i mean you're a pilot i am yeah 
So from a, a pilot standpoint, um, and a military background, did this plot at all seem feasible to you? Oh, uh, wow. Um, back in, back in 64, possibly. You think so? Um, to put nerve gas and, and, and on, uh, general aviation airplanes and fly over Fort Knox? Yeah, probably. And I'm sure they probably could have got a, a dirty bomb of some kind. Um, I think nowadays they would see those airplanes coming a, a long way away. And but then again, maybe not. It might actually still be a feasible plot today. You know, general aviation for the most part is pretty untouched. So uh, un- interesting. Unwatched. Uh, okay. Th- can, on that topic real quick, 30 seconds on it. Uh, they, when they talked about the airplanes they were flying are actually airplanes I've flown, not, not hmm. the same model and type. And they talk about their speed, 205. I think it was 205 or 230 miles per hour. Like mm-hmm. uh, that, air, the wings would have snapped off that airplane at that speed. So I, I got a chuckle at that. So, well, that's good to that's good to know. So they were they were a lot of it was funny what they gave energy to on detail and other ones they fell far short on. Right. Okay. So I think we're so, at the ding. We've been at the ding on this. So uh, I'm going to get better with my timing now as we get into the distinguished debauchery. Uh, well, we still got the classic old. Um, bond for the non-bond. Yeah, if you were a non-bond fan, what? How would you sell it to him? I suck at this category. Really you do. do. You're I do. you're really bad. I'm not you're a salesman. I, even I've been told I would be a good salesman from time to time. What would you really? say? Yeah, teach me what you would say. I led last time on for Russia with love. I would I would say to the non-bond fan, if you want to, if you want to laugh at a deeper level of Austin Powers, <laughs> you watch Goldfinger. Yeah. Watch Goldfinger, and then I would say very similar next week in Thunderball. If I feel it as a non-Bond fan, if you watch Goldfinger and Thunderball, Austin Powers is just, it's funnier on a whole new level now. It is. For you to see what they're actually spoofing and, and, and making fun of. I'll go one more, and even... Even uh, You Only Live Twice, where we meet Blofeld for the first time with his gray jumpsuit that Dr. Evil wears. That's mm-hmm. where we see that for the full up first time, I believe. And so that would that would be it. That would be my bond for the non for the for the bond fan. I, I think I would say this film gets everything in the right amount for me. Because as the as the franchise goes on, and this is what I would tell them, I like I think this this is re, uh, regarded as by the majority of people the best Bond film in the entire franchise. So I don't know. I don't know if I agree with the word majority. There's I don't know. A, Actually, I don't know. There's about a that sizable, a sizable amount. Yeah, that's that's fair. There's a there's a Russia from Love yeah. contention, and I think there was a, a ding. Yes, we're going a little. There's a from Russia with Love contention, a Goldfinger contention, and then I think a lot of others. There's a lot of a big other contention. The distinguished debauchery of 007. <laughs> wouldn't go as far as calling you a cold-hearted bastard, but it wouldn't be a stretch to imagine. Then you'll also know that in poker you never play your hand. You play the man across from you. By the cut of your suit you went to Oxford or wherever. Naturally think human beings dress like that. But you were it with such disdain. Since my six looks for maladjusted young men, I give little thought to sacrificing others in order to protect queen and country. Beautiful. Even now and then a trigger has to be pulled. Or not pulled. It's hard to know which in your pajamas. Q. 007. You think of women as disposable pleasures rather than meaningful pursuits. Martinis rank on the scale of zero to five olives. I I gave it three olives for for this movie. A little more than halfway, but a good good balance. I think there's a nice variety in this film. Bond drinks uh, brandy and he gets very snobbish about it. I love that uh, part. He, he he drinks a martini. He drinks uh, a mint julep, and then very funny. At least I found it, you know, very tongue in cheek. At the toward the end of the film, when Bond is getting in the plane, and Felix says, um, "There's liquor for three, 
And Bond's like, but I'm traveling alone. He's like, I know. And I thought that was a nice ode to, you know, how much James does drink. And that's what, to me, pushed it over a little bit uh, from just, you know, two olives to that three olive stage. I put it at a one. And and the reason for that was based on the amount of days that he had all those drinks. And uh, my favorite part was when they were at the Bank of England, him and M, with the that you mentioned, the snobberish part. Mm-hmm. I loved his comment of when the uh, the bank manager of the Bank of England says of this rather disappointing brandy, and uh, and James goes, "Oh yeah, it's a thirty year old fiend indifferently blended with an overdose of Bon Bois," and then M corrects James and like, "I believe, I believe the the manager is giving the briefing." I, I, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the whole movie, but I, I think that's we're slightly different on that, but. Uh, I'm going to stick with one, just for the amount of time of the movie. Okay. Casino Royale. Rank from lowest poker hand to highest. <clears throat> I gave this movie a... a... Royal Flush. How did you give it a Royal Flush? Here's... This is why I gave it a Royal Flush. Um, there's Goldfinger gambling with gin at the beginning of the movie, and the stakes, there was... It was like $5 a hand. And the dude, the the dude was like 15 G's in the hole with Goldfinger. And then there's the golf game, which is, it's pretty high stakes. It's a fucking bullion of gold is on it that James doesn't even owe. Like, I can't imagine how much of his salary he would have to pay out to the Bank of England if he had lost that bullion of gold to Goldfinger. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and this is a stretch and I'm prepared for you to call shenanigans on this. I would say James, he, he took, he bet on his own life when he was on the table and they had the razor on his dick and James set the laser, the laser was right there by his balls and he, he blurted out Operation Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. And James, and this is the stretch, James was betting, James was betting his life that Goldfinger would turn the, the laser off just up the off chance that MI6 knew about the operation and they needed James to to be alive. And so lots I, I, of money being bet, the gold being bet, and James's own life being bet, I gave it a royal flush. I had it much lower than that, and I, I think you are stretching. I, I like your viewpoint on it, though, because I didn't even think about that for one second, that he's gambling with his life. That's his fucking he, job. He's gambling yeah. with his life all the time. But that is a nice viewpoint. He took he took a flyer. He took a gamble on uh, Operation Grand, Grand Slam. But uh, I guess I discounted the bridge at the beginning. Uh, but uh, the golf game is by far one of the best scenes in the movie. So I should probably put it. I'm going to put it more at like the three of a kind level. And and you've uh, opened my eyes to something that I didn't see. But yeah, I, I like your I like your points for the most part. Turnbull and Asser rank from zero to five cufflinks. I gave this film four cufflinks and it's from the beginning of the movie where he's in that underwater getup and he gets out and he unzips that bad boy and he's in a white uh dinner jacket Baller. that is that is dry to the bone because of this magical suit that James is wearing I was like you're starting off perfect I'm a sucker for the white dinner jacket you know this about me I'm a huge fan and it just from the rest of the movie I felt and I could be wrong I, for the rest of the movie, I'm pretty sure James is in a collared shirt at worst in this movie. And then he's wearing some phenomenal, phenomenal suits he had throughout a, this movie. He, he did have a black, I wrote it down in my notes as a black tactical neck, a black like turtleneck at some point. Uh-huh. I can't remember exactly where he had that, but he, other than that, he had 10 was, wardrobes, was, 10 wardrobe changes in this movie. Okay. So I, I had he had ten wardrobe changes, and the only th- the only thing that I had uh, was the black uh, turtleneck. Was uh, okay. It's was still, the, the only I, I uncolored shirt. My favorite my favorite outfit in the entire uh, movie was what he wore golfing. I could see myself wearing that golfing. Aston Martin rank from one to five hundred horsepower. So for me, uh, in the Aston Martin DB five category. How can I give this anything less than a five? 
this the car in the movie is named for is is for five, this category. That's five hundred. That's five hundred horsepower. horsepower. Yes. You mess this up every week. every week. Well, in my defense, the uh, the rankings were originally zero to five horsepower. That changed. But, but you realize that ago. was a that was a lawnmower. Several Which, production meetings later. Let me get back. Let me get back to my point here. I love the car, so I'm going to give it a 500 horsepower. But I also love the air, airplanes in this movie. Um, with the uh, the uh, Carver airplane, the one that the uh, Goldfinger moves his car out of Switzerland with. So those are really cool to see. And the same Jetstar owned by Goldfinger and the uh, and the president in the U.S. President of the United States. Mm-hmm. I thought that was comical that they just happened to use the same airplane so they could use the same model right. <laughs> on the cut screen. And the thing that made me the most sad was the fact that the uh, DB5 got destroyed. But where'd you have it at? What horsepower? I'm going to guess you're a little lower than that. It's an Aston Martin DB5. Hey, let me be more specific. It's a 1964 Aston Martin DB5. I give it 500 horsepower. Yes! Fuck you to anybody who gives it anything less. <laughs> This is the quintessential Bond car. This is the quintessential car car. That's right. Is the Aston Martin DB5 from the 1960s. Uh, Q branch. Rank from zero to five Qs. Blah. I gave this movie 3.5 Qs. Um, I think right off the bat in that opening sequence, it, it sets the tone with gadgets. And then it really doesn't let up uh, from then out. Nothing too crazy. Mm-hmm. This isn't not Thunderball yet. Yeah. Oh, uh, thank but, you. Yeah, that's. But it's still a gadget filmed filled movie. So you know, that's it. I'm right there with you. I'm at three Qs, and I love. What you What did you think of the lab? This is the first time we get to see Q Branch Lab. I thought it was very, very nice touch to the movie. It was very nice. I enjoyed the uh, gadgets and the Aston Martin with the bulletproof back, mm-hmm. which is clutch some, and um, some wittiness with Q. Yeah, Major the ejection, Boothroyd. the ejection seat. Yep. And, uh, I thought, like I said in several places here now, the, um, I thought it was a perfect balance. And you, you hinted to Thunderball. Thunderball, we start to go down the backside of the cliff where we get too many comical gadgets. Uh, this was the right balance for me. That's all I have to say on this. You good to go? I'm gonna ding it. License to kill. Rank from zero to seven rounds. For me, I had this the top of the list. I put it at seven rounds. Um, from my count, there were ten, ten confirmed kills by James Bond in this movie. And, uh, I thought that was, I thought that was good for seven rounds. What did you have it at? Uh, one. No shit. One, one round. I thought this was pretty tame. Um, especially compared to, you know, the last, few movies like I, I can't even name besides goldfinger I, I can't name you one kill one confirmed kill that james makes odd job the uh the opening scene the positively shocking opening opening scene with the uh guy in the tub and the, the maybe heater. because most of them are like self-defense mm-hmm. which which the way he does them are like in the heat of battle to defend himself I would, what i did I, what i did write down is that i think this movie makes the shooting of Professor Dent and Dr. No just that much more cold-hearted because the type of killing he does here, it, it is a lot of self-defense, you know, I don't, I, I have to kill you in order to live kind of deals. And he doesn't, he doesn't toy with anybody. That's true. He doesn't really toy with anybody. And even Goldfinger, he was protecting himself from getting shot from the first uh, golden gun that we see in the franchise. Yes. So, and then Goldfinger killed himself, essentially. Mm-hmm. The ejector seat, did you count that as a kill? No, because it was, he just jumped out of the car. You don't die from that. I don't know, he could have fell on his head. No. Alright, so we're, uh, we're pretty far on that one. We're pretty far off. Finally, the quote, Bond girls, end quote, rank from zero to five suffragettes. Okay, um, I don't know any way else to do this. I gave it five suffragettes, and pretty much James Bond commits rape, and this film, there's just like no, like not even in like a laugh, haha, you know, th- there's a rape scene in Goldfinger. I'd like to think you're uh, not in all of this, uh, caper. Skip it. I'm not interested. Let's go. What would it take for you to see things my way? A lot more than you've got. How do you know? 
And so I know there's a lot of criticism about the movie. I know that's kind of a backlash when, you know, women, you know, see this movie. I, I get it. And honestly, I know this is your favorite film. Rewatching it, I haven't seen Goldfinger in years, probably 15 years uh, since I've seen Goldfinger. And I've aged a lot. I've I got a college education. I've seen some things. I've met people. I've learned uh, how life really works. Um, I'm, I was uncomfortable and now I think I'm going to associate that with Goldfinger. I, I think it really, I can't get past that. That's a legitimate, I, and I, I didn't, I don't know why I use that word. That's, it's a, it's a rape. It's, there is no unlegitimate rape. It's either rape or not rape. And that was, that was a rape. Aside from that scene, is that what really pushed you over the top or anything with Dink in the first opening scene where we meet Felix again or? Uh, his interactions with Jill Masterson. I the if it was just the the Masterson sisters, I actually did like how James. You can see, and this is Sean Connery in the third film, growing even more as mm-hmm. a Bond actor. Um, he you can see guilt. He actually for the I think the first time in the series you really see that just subtly in his face. Um, I mean he gets captured because he's responsible for the death of um is it Jill is Jill the second Tilly. Tilly, Tilly's this, that's right. Uh, he's responsible for Tilly. He tells Tilly to run, an odd job, whacks her with the hat, mm-hmm. and then he, he goes after her. He could have escaped, he could have, you know, but he really felt, you know, responsible, mm-hmm. um, for that. I will, I will say also that I know how the romance takes place in the novel, and the movie, because of time, really doesn't do justice to Jill and Tilly. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, you know, and that's also a response, you know, there's, you know, people have said they watched, you know, the first 10 minutes of Goldfinger and they were, you know, upset. Uh, there was, there was a much, it was a legitimate romance between Jill and James. And then you get to see how horrible Goldfinger is to Jill. And oh, really? so that, that explains kind of why she was so eager to, you know, have escape with James. That's, that's uh, an interesting. So that, point. that was, and, I kind of, uh, I knew that. Not having so read it the affected books, how I saw those scenes. Um, but uh, I, I never also can't that. get past the uh, um, the rape of... The only thing I will add to that is I also had it at five. And and I think your explanation was pretty mm-hmm. uh, on point. So I'm not going to belabor the point. It's a sad part of the movie. I mean, it, it, I wish it would have been handled so differently. It, it could have been a more... It could have not been rape. It could have been a more mutual uh, escapade. You know, and it, the real weirdness is like nowadays we look at it and it almost puts a positive spin on the rape because. Excuse me? It, oh, uh, no, hear me out. I'm not saying a po- I'm, I'm saying it's trying it today. It's it would make it like a link of she gets raped and then she goes and because of that rape, she goes and notifies the CIA of the of the uh, of Goldfinger's plan. You see what I'm saying? No. No. I'm saying it gives a negative the, the the fact that a positive outcome comes from the rape is a huge negative is what I'm saying. It doesn't do it any justice. Okay, so you're saying it's that's a bad thing. I'm saying it's a bad thing. Yeah. No, you you literally think I'm trying to make a positive for a rape that happened on the movie? I'm saying the fact in this day and age it gives bad it gives a bad uh Yeah, it just amplifies the problem because there was a positive outcome that came from the rape in the terms of the movie. I think I see what you're trying to say. Um, I'm because if, say that, with, if that with, if that never with all happened, due respect, with, with all due, I'm going to say that you probably should have fleshed out your words a little more on this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see what you're trying to say, but um, if how do I say this? It came out horrible. <laughs> but I see what you're trying to say. Um, I, w- I, I I'll add to that. I know we're going long on this, yeah. But I, I think this is important. This is almost something you can't cut off. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're done with this part of the conversation, we're just naturally done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we keep going back and forth with Thunderball, but I do think Goldfinger and Thunderball are kind of linked forever, um, uh, just because of of the how they were perceived. You know, their influence on the rest of the franchise. And essentially, these two movies create everything that we hated about the Roger Moore, you know, era. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but, and Thunderball, and it's better to mention it here than maybe wait another podcast. The, the quote, evil Bond girl and Thunderball has a line where she calls James's bullshit. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, you were there. Like you saw Goldfinger too, where she essentially says, you know, like, I'm not one of these girls that is going to fall under your spell and then go help you defeat the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not that girl. Like, fuck that. And I was like, okay, even, even in 1965, the producers of James Bond were like, whoo, <laughs> kind of, uh, we may, we, 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 we went over, over the line on the last one. We did a bad thing. <laughs> yes. Did a bad, bad thing. Yeah. So that was so, my, you understand my point? Cause you said I explained it horribly. So do I need to explain it again? I just think the fact that in the movie, this is a movie we're talking about in the movie. What yes. makes it even worse is the fact that Bond forces himself on Pussy Galore and the positive in the movie that comes from that is she talks to the CIA and gets them to change out the nerve gas bottles. So I'm saying that makes it even worse because it has a positive coming from a huge negative. Right, right. Is that better? That is much better. Okay. That That is much better. Also... The final thing I would say to, to. No Bill you know, Cosby going on here. No Bill there, Cosby. There was, there was no Bill Cosby going on. Um, but to add to my five suffragettes is there's no real good Bond girl. Like all the Bond girls in this movie are henchmen of Goldfinger that James seduces with his magical, I'm going to make you a good person sex of his. Well, if you're under captive. Of Goldfinger for eighty six percent of the movie, who else is he going to interact with? If you're a you know, prisoner, could have, there. I'm I'm saying, I'm just pointing out that the girl the girl figures in this movie were, especially when you when you look at um, Romanov from from Russia with Love. This is this is a huge drop. Yeah, and the Bond girl. Um, um, categories. Although, and, and although I, I will point out, and we'll end on this. This is the third consecutive movie that the film ends with him alone with the girl. At the end, that's how the movie ends. Yep, they're starting some there, which is getting annoying. <laughs> Cars. Welcome to bonding over bond running rankings. I know in in the recent the last two podcasts and in this one we've been projecting we're doing a lot of projecting and I know you're frustrated about that you want to get to let's let's actually do some rankings in the running rankings so I'll say this uh, I'll make this very quick the Aston Martin DB5 is one number one next main movie song uh, Goldfinger by Shirley Bassett continuing the trend Goldfinger very yes. Of having a pop star. Are you done? I'm Are done now. Done? Go ahead. Go ahead. You can go anywhere. Because we just heard the song. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's Sorry the, it's that. the continuing the trend of having a current pop star singing a song. Um, it's definitely the best one we've heard so far of the three Bond films. And I would easily say that Goldfinger's in the top third as I'm projecting out. I agree. <clears throat> uh, absolutely. It's the uh, top third without it. Um, yeah, I'll project it at the top third, and it's definitely the top one we've heard so far. Opening sequence. For me, I liked a lot about the opening sequence with, you know, coming out of the water with the uh, seagull snorkel that he had on and. He goes and Gadgets. shows, yeah, and he goes and shows uh, another a positive side of MI6. They were taking out a drug lord, um, I believe, it was a a heroin manufacturer. Um, so I really liked that aspect of it. I thought it was a different, a little different than what we saw from Rush with Love. Uh, as for the title sequence, I thought they kind of copped out a little bit. It was very much like from Rush with Love, where they used uh, 
And Fred Marshall would love to use the dancer's body as the backdrop. And this one, they used the gold, the woman painted gold as the backdrop for the credits. So it felt like a little bit of, hey, uh, we need to spit out a credit sequence. Oh, look, uh, we have Jill Masterson already covered in paint. Let's just go ahead and take some pictures of that and uh, make that work. What were your thoughts? I have this in the top third. I really enjoyed you just jumping in a random mission mm-hmm. and seeing it finish out. I thought that was great. Um, and the way he kills the guy in the tub, I enjoyed, I really enjoyed that opening sequence mm-hmm. and I did not have the same problem you did with the repeat of the from Russia with love sequence. I have it in the top third. Nice. The villain. This is gold, Mr. Bond. All my life I've been in love with its color, its brilliance, its divine heaviness. I welcome any enterprise that will increase my stock. I think you've made your point, Goldfinger. Thank you for the demonstration. Choose your next witticism carefully, Mr. Bond. It may be your last. So I, I have a tough time where to put hit Goldfinger as the villain, um, especially not knowing his direct inner inner uh, relation with with Spectre. But I'm going to put him in the uh, top third. Be- okay. I, that's just I don't I don't have ton a ton of time to defend that. Would you like me to defend it? You can take the rest of the time. It's like I agree with you. Top third. Go. So I mean, I just think it it, it would add to his credibility for me a little bit based on the fact that we've had two Spectre films. I would like to know where he fell in it. And uh, don't you think it's a little more badass of him if he if he was like a major gold smuggler by himself? Maybe a little. Maybe. I have, I, I agree. Top third, I also included, you know, the henchman, uh, odd job. You gotta throw in some odd job in there. And then also a shout out to the best N64 character is, uh, our boy odd job. Yeah. Who's, uh, right there below yes. auto aim. <laughs> so you couldn't auto aim with odd job. And, uh, yes, I know there's the, the, the classic fans out there that are sh- yelling shenanigans that if you were a true 64, Player, you don't play with odd job. Real men didn't play with odd job. Yeah. Yeah. To you, I say, don't be a bitch about it. Yeah. The actor's portrayal is Bond. James Bond. Again, Sir Sean Connery. Top one or two. Next. I'll look, I'll comment because we have some, we have, we have the time. time. Um, I enjoyed how he played Bond. This is where Bond is a super spy in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I did enjoy that. Again, Sean, sir, Sean Connery, growing, universe. growing as a, as an actor, um, in the sense of his, his playing the character of James Bond. Uh, you start to see a lot of, of that depth. And this movie, he seems like if someone's like, what's cool? Like, how do you define cool? I would show them a scene of Goldfinger, um, and just ignore the whole rapey part of it. <laughs> because there's that... Sean Connery does play James Bond with this film with just an air of, of cool. Yep. You know? The distinguished part of the distinguished debauchery. He really nails it. Absolutely. And in this one. I agree. Uh, you know, top one or two. Bing. Rank the overall movie. And finally, where do we rank this movie? Now, this is by far... The movie from my childhood, which I remember the most. Um, and so there's a soft spot to it, I bet. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're, when, when you're a little boy, what do you know? Like, the handsome man is kissing the pretty girl and the pretty girl is uncomfortable and well, then the pretty girl, you know, you wouldn't know any better. You know, that was, that's, that is seriously, uh, 30 seconds of the movie. So, yeah, especially then it was like, okay, yeah, I, I, I don't know any different about what's going on there. Um, if I could take that out of the movie or change it, like you said, if it would end up being more of a relationship from the novel, I would still say this is easily going to be in the top three for me. I think, uh, I think it's pretty naive to say this is going to be my number one film having have so much time elapse over, you know, over the years from seeing all the rest of the films, so I was very happy to watch it again. Obviously, I saw there was, you know, being old enough now to to know when things look questionable. Uh, 
I was very disappointed with some of the parts of the movie. But all in all, I really enjoyed much of the movie, and it's going to be in my top three. What okay. say you, sir? I have it in the bottom of the top third, top of the middle third, so that 8, 9, 10 kind of sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Right there. That's why I, I project um, it's going to be. I am interested to see as we keep watching the Roger Moore ones. As we get into Roger Moore, am I going to punish Goldfinger for this scene? Am I going to keep pushing Goldfinger down? Sounds like you already are. Um, so I think you're that, being a little heavy handed, honestly. I might, but I don't have the same feelings as Goldfinger that, that you did. I mean, from Russia to Love. From Russia with Love, excuse me, was my childhood film. I've never had a strong feeling. Um, I always liked the first half of Goldfinger, and then I got bored with it. And so I remember, like we we talked back about the the TNT marathons. I loved when Goldfinger was the film that was playing around my bedtime. Because I'll be like, this works perfectly. I'll watch like through the golf scene. I think that's pretty good. I'll watch the car chase with the Aston Martin and Odd Job. And then, oh, they capture James. I'll see the laser scene because I know that's the shit. And then, uh, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> you know, when the Fort, the Fort Knox kind of thing, it, it dragged a little for me as, uh, as a kid. You know, mm-hmm. as a kid, I didn't, I wasn't going to be able to pick up, you know, as a, you know, eight, nine, ten year old, um, like, oh, this is rape. I might have been like, that's kind of odd, but whatever. I, you know, 30 second scene. Again, I, as a kid, I probably would have glossed. Um, over that, um, but I was already bored at that part, um, as a kid. And the Felix Leiter in this film is shit. Yeah. He's horrible. And so that's like, you're like, man, where's that chemistry that he's aged terribly? Yeah. He's, he's lived a a hard, hard life. life. And just knowing how James Bond lives, that's Felix must be doing some crazy shit in his time. Right. Did you feel this movie was realistic? Uh, I think we could take a DB5 and put machine guns and bulletproof, uh, screens on it. And yeah, I thought for the most, you could do a dirty bomb. I think you could, uh, you could probably still in this day and age, unfortunately, uh, do some evil stuff with general aviation airplanes. Could you get Tech Fort Knox? I don't know. And it's probably, I didn't didn't think it was realistic, but I did want to talk to you. I I did not, not at all. No. Why? This movie was, was just trash. Um, just like the whole, and, and again, maybe we live in, you know, the uh, post nine eleven world, mm-hmm. but as soon as the planes go over Fort Knox, I'm like, bullshit. You know, it's Fort Knox. Like even in the sixties, I'm pretty sure whatever radar technology we had, Fort Knox had it. And I'm pretty sure like you, you, and, and I, I do, I, I, I put down in my notes, um, I want to leave some time for you to talk about the aviation, um, of, of the movie. As as someone who flies, um, it, all, all all I'm saying is for what they were doing. Yeah, they would see them coming, and they would know. So, but like, so you have that beautiful map of Florida yep. in in your basement, mm-hmm. and you've explained to me like military runways that you know, like this flight there. This is so the, a jet can go supersonic on the Atlantic Ocean, mm-hmm. and other planes like they shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the FFA, right? Yeah. FAA. The FFA, the FAA, mm-hmm. yes, the FAA, they, they seem to do a good job of knowing where the, where planes are in America. Mm-hmm. And so my thing is, don't you think over Fort Knox, there would be a no fly zone that somebody would be like, these planes. I guarantee you, I probably will look at a sectional chart right now. There's probably prohibited airspace, just like over DC in the mall or over right. the White House. So is it, was it that these Camp circus David. planes, were they flying, were they flying too low? What's, what's the science, Scott? Teach us. I mean, you just have to realize Teach that the casual Bond fan. It is it is kind of self-reporting in the same way. I mean, yes, you as a pilot know if you go on that air if you go on that airspace, you are going to lose your license. So, the vast majority of the world are not evil people, so they're going to avoid those airspaces. What I'm saying is, I'm sure even back in '64, they had radar technology, and they probably saw them coming. But their weapon of choice being nerve gas, unless there was anti-aircraft guns stationed around there or surface-to-air missiles, which this they could very well have. I have no idea. Being that it's You could see them coming right? and go, oh, shit, there's airplanes about to overfly this prohibited airspace as they're dumping their nerve gas. And 
they fall asleep and die at their at their radar station and go and have nothing to do about it. So I, yes, I do think it's not totally far fetched unless they have surface air missiles or automatic stuff. And the, that can do the that. whole gas sequence just. Well, we never got to saw what the real gas would have done. Remember, because Pussy Galore notified the CIA and they got rid of the nerve gas. We never talked about the mob, all the mob guys that came over. Yeah, and uh, I thought that was an interesting, interesting scene. Well, that that you, existed think, as, that, you know, as, Lenny, as a writer. Make you needed a go ahead a filler. I was just gonna say, does that no? Does it's that not get a more... filler. It's it's the it's you needed to show the audience. Oh, like what is this nerve gas and how does it work? So it was a very, you know, well, well placed sequence. Good point. Good point. Uh, you know, like, oh, this nerve gas does work, and this is, you know, blah blah blah. So do we give? Do we give Goldfinger some credit for tackling crime? No, not <laughs> no, because he was going to kill sixty thousand people in the process. Somebody of trying else just to steps up the in the gold. in the the mob. Okay, my other question is the Goldfinger flying out of the plane. Is that is that how that works? Yeah, pretty much. You Fatty just sucks out of the window like that? Yeah, he may actually. I wonder if I, my only question with that is I wonder if he would have got stuck and it would have equalized everything cuz he was big enough to plug the he window. He's a big boy. That was like Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, so you're going to have inside the airplane, you're going to have high pressure and on right, the outside right. low pressure. So once his body And then obviously creates a seal. Pussy, right? In theory, it would have equalized like he might have shit his pants or something, right? Yeah, is lost that... feeling in his legs and whatnot. But in theory, yeah. and the, so like Pussy Galore is she's going down so that the plane can stabilize. That's why she's doing that. I don't understand what it, exactly during the rapid decompression why it put the airplane in the dive. Um, it wouldn't have done that, and unless it ruptured like the the fuselage of the aircraft in such a way that it changed the flying qualities of the airplane. Uh, uh-huh. But it didn't do that. It just hit a window. So. I think that was that was movie movie features. Uh, that was did you notice? Did you notice that there was a henchman laying in there? Goldfinger comes out of the back of the airplane with a henchman, and we never see him again in the scene, except at the end he's laying on the ground in the fuselage in the airplane in the cabin of the airplane. No. Attention to detail. That wraps I up so. the movie section. I mean, I guess. Do you want to continue talking? What, what did you love about it? The golf scene. I love the golf yeah. scene. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Uh, I like the use of airplanes, even though you think it's far-fetched. I, you know, I always love aviation. Um, I like uh, Mr. Solo getting crushed in the car machine. Mm. That's, that was very evil. Oh, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that. So if you're crushing a car, that car that car was full of gas. Lincoln Continental, oil. yep. Nice Lincoln Continental with suicide doors. Mike, Mike, okay, whatever, whatever. Here, listen, listen to me, listen to me. That car was full of fluids, mm-hmm. and they just compressed them. Mm-hmm. I would imagine if before the process of compressing a car, you empty the bad boy. You just don't put a gas-filled, oil-filled sparks can happen, and then you just compress. You don't. That seems bad science to me. Don't you agree? Uh, yeah, that's probably the safe bet. But maybe they had thought about that. Maybe he was running on an eighth of a tank. And I'm just saying, this adds to the, you know, I, I don't think this movie was realistic. But, I, so, but anyway, anyway. I don't think I'm it was that, I don't that. Think of that. I don't I don't think that made it that unrealistic. I'm just adding more things that just, I watched it and I was like, I think I want you to bullshit. go through the list is... of things that made it unrealistic for you right now. I, we don't have time for we that. We have all the time in the world. No, we're doing a list of things we loved. Okay, I, this is I'm perfect. Gonna... So what do you hate about it? I didn't even say the things I loved yet. Because you don't love this movie, and it makes me upset. But there's things I loved about it. Okay, go ahead. Like Odd Job. Odd Job. Great, great sidekick. Sean Connery's depth. Mm-hmm. The way Tilly was introduced. Mm-hmm. The golf scene. Absolutely. And KFC product placement. That's <laughs> right. Loved it. That was great, yeah. You gotta, you gotta remember in the 60s, KFC, KFC introdu- introduced the idea of franchising. Mm-hmm. KFC was the number one fast food joint in America. And I'm going to tell you, someone who's been to Kentucky, go to a KFC in the state of Kentucky. <laughs> They're great. No, no, I went to a KFC in Kentucky. They wait on you. And it is clean. It is like, you know how people love Chick-fil-A? Uh-huh. 
it's it's better. It's a better service and cleaner than a Chick-fil-A. Though that's a KFC in Kentucky. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to recommend it to all our listeners. If you ever find yourself in Kentucky, drink some bourbon, eat some KFC, take a horse. Okay. I think we're done. Yep. So next week, we're not going to phone in the next two films like Sean Connery did. We're going to be talking about Thunderball and You Only Live Twice. Be sure to uh, download all of our podcasts on iTunes and tell every Bond fan you know. Follow us on Twitter at Bonding Over Bond. Like our Bonding Over Bond Facebook page. Send us an email. We want to foster this community of bonding. Maybe we could all get together and switch on our Spectre projector and watch a film together as a community. Let's get a mailbag segment going. I think that would be, I think it'd be that great. Would be phenomenal. Yeah. Talk to us. Email us at bondingoverbond at gmail.com. And of course, you need to head over to www.freerevolt.blogspot.com. And click on the Bonding Over Bond tab for more content, trivia, news, and a lot of other great things not even involving James Bond. Great content. And uh, remember, Goldfinger, he's the man. The man with the Midas touch. A spider's touch. Can I do that again? (laughs) It's very good. It's like a sweet lullaby. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, for bonding with us here at Bonding Over Bond. Until next time, shake it. Don't stir it. My name is Pussy Galore. I must be dreaming. Stopping. <laughs>